Part Four of Perseus from the Heroes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Heroes or Greek Fairy Tales for My Children by Charles Kingsley. Part Four How Perseus Came to the Ethiopes. So Perseus flitted onward to the northeast, over many a league of sea, till he came to the rolling sand-hills and the dreary Libyan shore. And he flitted on across the desert, over rock-ledges and banks of shingle, and level wastes of sand and shell-drifts bleaching in the sunshine, and the skeletons of great sea-monsters, and dead bones of ancient giants, strewn up and down upon the old sea-floor. And as he went, the blood-drops fell to the earth from the gorgon's head, and became poisonous asps and adders, which breed in the desert to this day. Over the sands he went, he never knew how far or how long, feeding on the fruit which the nymphs had given him, till he saw the hills of the Scilly, and the dwarfs who fought with cranes. Their spears were of reeds and rushes, and their houses of the eggshells of the cranes, and Perseus laughed and went his way to the northeast, hoping all day long to see the blue Mediterranean sparkling, that he might fly across it to his home. But now came down a mighty wind, and swept him back southward toward the desert. All day long he strove against it, but even the winged sandals could not prevail. So he was forced to float down the wind all night, and when the morning dawned there was nothing to be seen save the same old hateful waste of sand. And out of the north the sandstorms rushed upon him, blood-red pillars and wreaths, blotting out the noonday sun, and Perseus fled before them, lest he should be choked by the burning dust. At last the gale fell calm, and he tried to go northward again, but again came down the sandstorms and swept him back into the waste and then all was calm and cloudless as before. Seven days he strove against the storms, and seven days he was driven back, till he was spent with thirst and hunger, and his tongue clove to the roof of his mouth. Here and there he fancied that he saw a fair lake and the sunbeams shining on the water, but when he came to it it vanished at his feet, and there was naught but burning sand. And if he had not been of the race of the immortals, he would have perished in this waste, but his life was strong within him, because it was more than man's. Then he cried to Athene, and said, O fair and pure, if thou hearest me, wilt thou leave me here to die of drought? I have brought thee the gorgon's head at thy bidding, and hitherto thou hast prospered my journey. 
dost thou desert me at the last else why will not these immortal sandals prevail even against the desert storms shall i never see my mother more and the blue ripple round seraphos and the sunny hills of hellas so he prayed and after he had prayed there was a great silence the heaven was still above his head and the sand was still beneath his feet and perseus looked up but there was nothing but the blinding sun in the blinding blue and round him but there was nothing but the blinding sand and perseus stood awhile and waited and said surely i am not here without the will of the immortals for athene will not lie were not these sandals to lead me in the right road then the road in which i have tried to go must be the wrong road then suddenly his ears were opened and he heard the sound of running water and at that his heart was lifted up though he scarcely dare believe his ears and weary as he was he hurried forward though he could hardly stand upright and within a bowshot of him was a glen in the sand and marble rocks and date trees and a lawn of gay green grass and through the lawn a streamlet sparkled and wandered out beyond the trees and vanished in the sand the water trickled among the rocks and a pleasant breeze rustled in the dry date branches and perseus laughed for joy and leapt down the cliff and drank of the cool water and ate of the dates and slept upon the turf and leapt up and went forward again but not toward the north this time for he said surely athene hath sent me hither and will not have me go homeward yet what if there be another noble deed to be done before i see the sunny hills of hellas so he went east and east for ever by fresh oases and fountains date palms and lawns of grass till he saw before him a mighty mountain wall all rose-red in the setting sun then he towered in the air like an eagle for his limbs were strong again and he flew all night across the mountain till the day began to dawn and rosy-fingered eos came blushing up the sky and then behold beneath him was the long green garden of egypt and the shining stream of nile and he saw cities walled up to heaven and temples and obelisks and pyramids and giant gods of stone and he came down amid fields of barley and flax and millet and clambering gourds and saw the people coming out of the gates of a great city and setting to work each in his place among the watercourses parting the streams among the plants cunningly with their feet according to the wisdom of the egyptians but when they saw him they all stopped their work and gathered round him and cried who art thou fair youth and what bearest thou beneath thy goatskin there surely thou art one of the immortals for thy skin is white like ivory and ours is red like clay thy hair is like threads of gold 
and ours is black and curled. Surely thou art one of the immortals. And they would have worshipped him then and there, but Perseus said, I am not one of the immortals, but I am a hero of the Hellens, and I have slain the Gorgon in the wilderness, and bear her head with me. Give me food, therefore, that I may go forward and finish my work. Then they gave him food and fruit and wine, but they would not let him go. And when the news came into the city that the Gorgon was slain, the priests came out to meet him, and the maidens, with songs and dances and timbrels and harps, and they would have brought him to their temple and to their king, but Perseus put on the hat of darkness and vanished away out of their sight. Therefore the Egyptians looked long for his return, but in vain, and worshipped him as a hero, and made a statue of him in Chemis, which stood for many a hundred years, and they said that he appeared to them at times, with sandals a cubit long, and that whenever he appeared the season was fruitful, and the Nile rose up that year. Then Perseus went to the eastward, along the Red Sea shore, and then, because he was afraid to go into the Arabian deserts, he turned northward once more, and this time no storm hindered him. He went past the Isthmus, and Mount Cassius, and the vast Serbonian bog, and up the shore of Palestine, where the dark-faced Ethiopes dwell. He flew on past pleasant hills and valleys like Argos itself, or Lacedaemon, or the fair vale of Tempe. But the lowlands were all drowned by floods, and the highlands blasted by fire, and the hills heaved like a babbling cauldron before the wrath of King Poseidon, the shaker of the earth. And Perseus feared to go inland, but flew along the shore above the sea, and he went on all the day, and the sky was black with smoke, and he went on all the night, and the sky was red with flame. And at the dawn of day he looked toward the cliffs, and at the water's edge, under a black rock, he saw a white image stand. This, thought he, must surely be the statue of some sea-god. I will go near and see what kind of gods these barbarians worship. So he came near, but when he came it was no statue, but a maiden of flesh and blood, for he could see her tresses streaming in the breeze, and as he came closer still he could see how she shrank and shivered when the waves sprinkled her with cold salt spray. Her arms were spread above her head and fastened to the rock with chains of brass, and her head drooped on her bosom, either with sleep or weariness, or grief. But now and then she looked up and wailed and called her mother, yet she did not see Perseus, for the cap of darkness was on his head. Full of pity and indignation, Perseus drew near and looked upon the maid. Her cheeks were darker than his, and her hair was blue-black like a hyacinth. But Perseus thought, I have never seen so beautiful a maiden, no, not in all our isles. 
surely she is a king's daughter do barbarians treat their king's daughters thus she is too fair at least to have done any wrong i will speak to her and lifting the hat from his head he flashed into her sight she shrieked with terror and tried to hide her face with her hair for she could not with her hands but perseus cried do not fear me fair one i am a helen and no barbarian what cruel men have bound you but first i will set you free and he tore at the fetters but they were too strong for him while the maiden cried touch me not i am accursed devoted as a victim to the sea-gods they will slay you if you dare to set me free let them try said perseus and drawing herpe from his thigh he cut through the brass as if it had been flax now he said you belong to me and not to these sea-gods whoever they may be but she only called the more on her mother why call you on your mother she can be no mother to have left you here if a bird is dropped out of the nest it belongs to the man who picks it up if a jewel is cast by the wayside it is his who dare win it and wear it as i will win you and wear you i know now why pallas athene sent me hither she sent me to gain a prize worth all my toil and more and he clasped her in his arms and cried where are these sea-gods cruel and unjust who doom fair maids to death i carry the weapons of immortals let them measure their strength against mine but tell me maiden who you are and what dark fate brought you here and she answered weeping i am the daughter of cepheus king of eopa and my mother is cassiopeia of the beautiful tresses and they called me andromeda as long as life was mine and i stand bound here hapless that i am for the sea monster's food to atone for my mother's sin for she boasted of me once that i was fairer than atargatis queen of the fishes so she in her wrath sent the sea floods and her brother the fire king sent the earthquakes and wasted all the land and after the floods a monster bred of the slime who devours all living things and now he must devour me guiltless though i am me who never harmed a living thing nor saw a fish upon the shore but i gave it life and threw it back into the sea for in our land we eat no fish for fear of atargatis their queen yet the priests say that nothing but my blood can atone for a sin which i never committed but perseus laughed and said a sea monster i have fought with worse than him i would have faced immortals for your sake how much more a beast of the sea then andromeda looked up at him and new hope was kindled in her breast so proud and fair did he stand with one hand round her and in the other the glittering sword but she only sighed and wept the more and cried why will you die young as you are 
Is there not death and sorrow enough in the world already? It is noble for me to die, that I may save the lives of a whole people, but you, better than them all, why should I slay you too? Go you your way. I must go mine. But Perseus cried, Not so, for the lords of Olympus whom I serve are the friends of the heroes, and help them on to noble deeds. Led by them, I slew the Gorgon, the beautiful horror, and not without them do I come hither to slay this monster with that same Gorgon's head. Yet hide your eyes when I leave you, lest the sight of it freeze you too to stone. But the maiden answered nothing, for she could not believe his words, and then, suddenly looking up, she pointed to the sea and shrieked, There he comes, with the sunrise, as they promised. I must die now. How shall I endure it? Oh, go! Is it not dreadful enough to be torn piecemeal without having you to look on? And she tried to thrust him away. But he said, I go, yet promise me one thing ere I go, that if I slay this beast, you will be my wife, and come back with me to my kingdom in fruitful Argos, for I am a king's heir. Promise me, and seal it with a kiss. Then she lifted up her face and kissed him, and Perseus laughed for joy and flew upward while Andromeda crouched trembling on the rock, waiting for what might befall. On came the great sea monster, coasting along like a huge black galley, lazily breasting the ripple and stopping at times by creek or headland to watch for the laughter of girls at their bleaching, or cattle pawing at the sand hills, or boys bathing on the beach. His great sides were fringed with clustering shells and seaweeds, and the water gurgled in and out of his wide jaws as he rolled along, dripping and glistening in the beams of the morning sun. At last he saw Andromeda, and shot forward to take his prey, while the waves foamed white behind him, and before him the fish fled leaping. Then down from the height of the air fell Perseus, like a shooting star, down to the crests of the waves, while Andromeda hid her face as he shouted, and then there was silence for a while. At last she looked up, trembling, and saw Perseus springing toward her, and instead of the monster a long black rock, with the sea rippling quietly around it. Who then so proud as Perseus, as he leapt back to the rock and lifted his fair Andromeda in his arms, and flew with her to the cliff-top, as a falcon carries a dove? Who so proud as Perseus, and who so joyful as all the Ethiop people, for they had stood watching the monster from the cliffs, wailing for the maiden's fate, and already a messenger had gone to Cepheus and Cassiopeia, 
where they sat in sackcloth and ashes on the ground in the innermost palace chambers awaiting their daughter's end and they came and all the city with them to see the wonder with songs and with dances with cymbals and harps and received their daughter back again as one alive from the dead then cepheus said hero of the helens stay here with me and be my son-in-law and i will give you half my kingdom i will be your son-in-law said perseus but of your kingdom i will have none for i long after the pleasant land of greece and my mother who waits for me at home then cepheus said you must not take my daughter away at once for she is to us like one alive from the dead stay with us here a year and after that you shall return with honour and perseus consented but before he went to the palace he bade the people bring stones and wood and build three altars one to athene and one to hermes and one to father zeus and offered bullocks and rams and some said this is a pious man yet the priests said the sea-queen will be yet more fierce against us because her monster is slain but they were afraid to speak aloud for they feared the gorgon's head so they went up to the palace and when they came in there stood in the hall phineas the brother of cepheus chafing like a bear robbed of her whelps and with him his sons and his servants and many an armed man and he cried to cepheus you shall not marry your daughter to this stranger of whom no one knows even the name was not andromeda betrothed to my son and now she is safe again has he not a right to claim her but perseus laughed and answered if your son is in want of a bride let him save a maiden for himself as yet he seems but a helpless bridegroom he left this one to die and dead she is to him i saved her alive and alive she is to me but to no one else ungrateful man have i not saved your land and the lives of your sons and daughters and will you requite me thus go or it will be worse for you but all the men-at-arms drew their swords and rushed on him like wild beasts then he unveiled the gorgon's head and said this has delivered my bride from one wild beast it shall deliver her from many and as he spoke phineas and all his men-at-arms stopped short and stiffened each man as he stood and before Perseus had drawn the goatskin over the face again, they were all turned into stone. Then Perseus bade the people bring levers and roll them out, and what was done with them after that I cannot tell. So they made a great wedding feast, which lasted seven whole days, and who is so happy as Perseus and Andromeda? But on the eighth night, Perseus dreamed a dream, and he saw, standing beside him, Pallas Athene 
as he had seen her in Seraphos seven long years before. And she stood and called him by name, and said, Perseus, you have played the man, and see, you have your reward. Know now that the gods are just, and help him who helps himself. Now give me here Herpe the sword, and the sandals, and the hat of darkness, that I may give them back to their owners. But the Gorgon's head you shall keep a while, for you will need it in your land of Greece. Then you shall lay it up in my temple at Seraphos, that I may wear it on my shield forever, a terror to the titans and the monsters and the foes of gods and men. And as for this land, I have appeased the sea and the fire, and there shall be no more floods nor earthquakes. But let the people build altars to Father Zeus and to me, and worship the immortals, the lords of heaven and earth. And Perseus rose to give her the sword, the cap, and the sandals. But he woke, and his dream vanished away. And yet it was not altogether a dream, for the goat-skin with the head was in its place, but the sword and the cap and the sandals were gone, and Perseus never saw them more. Then a great awe fell on Perseus, and he went out in the morning to the people and told his dream and bade them build altars to Zeus, the father of gods and men, and to Athene, who gives wisdom to heroes, and fear no more the earthquakes and the floods, but sow and build in peace. And they did so for a while, and prospered. But after Perseus was gone, they forgot Zeus and Athene, and worshipped again Atargatis, the queen, and the undying fish of the sacred lake, where Deucalion's deluge was swallowed up, and they burnt their children before the fire-king, till Zeus was angry with that foolish people and brought a strange nation against them out of Egypt, who fought against them and wasted them utterly, and dwelt in their cities for many a hundred years. End of Part 4 of Perseus Recording by Tisto tysto.com